Doctor Who Series 11, Transformers Trading Card Game, and One Screen Platformer. This is Staying In. What, what is appropriate attire for when working at home? So Daniel, you were just saying, literally off mic, that you dress for work even when you're working from home. Yeah, kind of. I think the, the first time I tried working from home, it was a bit of a novelty. And I'd be like, oh, I can just I can just work in my pyjamas. I'll be nice and relaxed. It'll be great. Yeah. I'll just, just chill out and just some loungewear. And then I realized that kind of I wasn't being very productive. And it was, I worked out it was kind of by not getting up, getting dressed, doing kind of my my morning routine as I usually would. Getting to not, not so much, I'm not saying talking about sitting in a suit or anything like that, but I go to work and I'll wear kind of some smart jeans and a shirt and stuff like that. So by getting into that attire, my brain just kind of flipped into work mode yep. and suddenly I was much more productive. Whereas yep. if I'm in my loungewear on pajamas, I'll do something and then you know what, I'll, I'm gonna go make a cup of tea. I'm gonna get a snack. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And suddenly I realise I'm just I'm just procrastinating because my brain is just still sitting in the mode of I'm just lazing about at home, and that's that's not really what I'm there to do. Um, so yeah, I have to get into a, a uniform, so to speak, even though I'm just sat at sat at home, kind of at my table with my laptop in front of me, no one else around. What about you, what about you Chris? Like you, you're Jimmy Jam man, aren't you? Uh, as, as being as. It depends. So if it was my own research, yes, it's kind of casual mode. It's all on me. But teaching mode, like, I mean, I don't wear my lanyard around the flat or anything like that. <laughs> Pretend I'm swiping door, you know, swiping the little thing outside to come into, yeah. go into the bathroom or anything. Repeatedly, because uh, it doesn't work the first time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but there is something about, yeah, wearing something that's not too comfy and cozy so it it, it is legitimately a work day because it works both ways because can you imagine dan if you if you work every day from home in your dressing gown on a weekend when you want to just put your dressing gown and wear it quite late your brain's thinking oh am i supposed to be working now yeah and then you'd have to have a work dressing gown and a weekend dressing gown do you not already have those <laughs> Yeah, the the work dressing gown is is the other term for smoking jacket. Uh, my, my weekend one is my silk gown. <laughs> my kimono with like a, a cravat in the middle and uh, um, yeah, I, I I've got so I don't work from home anymore and I deliberately don't work from home because I, I I did it for years and um, I enjoyed it for the first six months. Uh, and then really didn't enjoy it, really missed being in an office environment. So I, I intentionally go into work. Uh, you know, obviously I have to go into work, but, you know, there have been times when I've been like, oh, I could stay at home and do this. and uh, But, like, no, absolutely always going. Because I've got to admit, you know, when I was doing the journalism stuff, I, obviously I was getting stuff done. But, like, every once in a while I'd be like, no one's going to notice if I take an extra half an hour. Like, no one's going to notice. As long as, as long as everything goes in, it's fine. And so I oh, just can't do it. I don't have I don't have the the sort of the willpower. See, weirdly for me, because I I mean I work from home very sporadically, and most of the time it's I have to be at home for some reason. So it mm. just makes sense I can work from home. I need to be home for a delivery, or we've got someone coming around for the flat, something like that. Um, but sometimes as well, I'll work from home because I need to focus on a single task mm. that I've got that, and and I've purposely done it, and I would like wipe out an entire day to review documents and stuff like that because I just need to sit there in the quiet and be able to focus on this kind of stuff which I just can't do 
in an office just because there's always something going on there's conversations happening that your your ear catches or someone asks you for a favor or someone asks you for some help or something and being the the helpful soul that i am i'm always willing to help obviously um mm. so those kind of things that if i need to really focus on like narrow down on something then i'll then i'll try and work from home just so i've got that peace and quiet for me it's the proximity to the fridge <laughs> that is <laughs> crucial like the fact that i can oh. literally wheel my chair from did you have the to say that here. while I had a mouthful of tea? Yeah. <laughs> is it worth saying to listeners that we are actually recording this in the evening? We're not recording it during our working day, and this is we're all yeah. working from home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sort of recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just in case anyone I work with is listening, just put that legal note in so that everyone. Oh wait, wait. What's it? That was there was less work done by Chris? He, he didn't <laughs> mark everything. I'm just imagining you now. You're saying you wheel the chair over to the fridge. I'm saying it's a possibility. In my previous flat, at one point, I did have the desk like uh, in the living room kitchen area, so I could literally reach over to my right and open the fridge. Oh, danger. I know. Um, and just being able to make your own tea the way you like it, that's great. Mm. That's perfect. Well, I've, yeah, I've got a thing at work. I've got, I, I only ever make my own tea. Really? Yeah, if someone, because obviously people throughout the day, people say like, does anybody want a cup of tea or something like that? And if I do want a cup of tea, I'll say, yeah, but I'll, I'll get up and I'll go make it. You'll supervise them. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm making myself. I've got my own cup, just so no one else takes it. What? Yeah. This, this is, this, you know, you, you think you know someone, Chris. <laughs> like, like this, I, I I'm did I'm very particular pay- about my tea. And that's I because did, I, I make a very good cup of tea. Oh, Dan. I'm sure you do. I don't. Hold on. You've made me tea before, and I have. Do you know what? And I have remarked internally. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I've read his LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yeah, recommended. I think, and this is this is a really big deal for me because I don't think I'm ready to commit to this. But I think that this is the first Doctor Who series that I care about in any way whatsoever. Oh, like, interesting. This is the first one. I've not seen it yet, but this one helmed by um, Jodie Whittaker. Is that her name? Yeah. This is the first one where I actually feel like I might get on board. And I, I, that's It's the perfect time to get on board as well. Yeah, right. I literally bought my TV licence on the day it came out. And it's been... I haven't bought it. I haven't watched Chris live already television. feels like it's been worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to even bother to do the maths of 150 quid divided between, what, is it 13 episodes or something? It usually oh, is. Gosh. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of other stuff on the BBC. And I've got to support my colleagues who work for that illustrious organisation. It's true. This is series 11. Well, of the new series, I should say, because it's been going since 1963. Like my parents were telling me stories. A lot of people of their generation, they remember. T- seeing Doctor Who from behind a cushion because it was too scary for them or behind a sofa because mm, mm, they were quite mm. scared as children. It, it's testament to the fact that one of the, one of the great appeals of Doctor Who is that like its titular character, it can just regenerate. Mm-hmm. And Chris Chibnall, who's now the showrunner of this series, he'd previously done Broadchurch. I can't remember what else he'd done. He'd written a few episodes for it in the past. He said that, you know, you could literally step into this having not watched any previous versions of Doctor Who before. You can and that, that was in. his intention as well. His intention yeah. was that it was going to be more inclusive than not that other series particularly just you couldn't get into them but it would take a bit of work to get into them whereas this one he's, he's one of his aims was to make it as inclusive as possible to all people both people who like 
Doctor Who, people who've never seen it before, so people who've got a passing interest, every single person could get something and not be left behind by the first episode. Having seen the first episode, I think he's been successful there. Nothing in the first episode made me think, oh, I know about that because I've watched yeah. the previous so, seasons of that. So what's... Okay, so obviously... So they're setting this up. That's the that's the, that's the the pillar of what this series is about. So my understanding of Doctor Who is... There's a man. Now not. I get, okay, so not a man anymore. So there's the Doctor. Is that right? Is, is, Correct. Is the the yes. Doctor. And the Doctor is probably an alien who is has the capacity to time travel in a police phone box. Correct. Yeah. Um, the police phone box is basically a time machine. Okay. And... Every series, he picks up new friends to go on adventures with, and there's some overarching plot thread that goes through all of the... Ever since 1963, all the way up to today, there is some some vague plot thread of, like, they're consistent. It's not like a... It's not a reboot. It's all canonical. It's not a reboot each time. It's, yeah, it's no. Even though... Okay, right. Now, beyond that, the other things I sort of associate with Doctor Who are low quality production values which is also one of its charms as well sure but like to somebody who only has a very passing interest in 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 um in television and film and stuff i see it and i think oh this looks ropey some interesting stories but some maybe some dull writing and maybe some slightly iffy special effects and stuff well i've i've only started i've only really watched it since it it rebooted. Um, so it rebooted with Christopher Eccleston a number of years ago, and then it went from Christopher Eccleston to David Tennant to Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, and then now onto Jodie Whittaker. And I'd say probably over that period of time, I think from the beginning, the production values from the beginning were much better than they were in the older series because they had a they had a bigger budget behind them. However, there were still kind of a bit. They were very televisual effects a lot of the time. You were they so there was still an element of some of rope, some ropey effects not always but some of them i would say that as the series has progressed the popularity of the show has got more especially on a global audience mm. especially for a global audience so the budget has increased and i'd say bringing us up into this current new series from the looks of it and admittedly i've only seen one episode and kind of the trailers that have followed it the production values of this new series yeah. do feel a lot different to previous years and i'd say that's because the climate in which doctor who now sits has to compete with the likes of netflix and it has to compete with the likes of amazon and these new big kind of behemoths mm. that's what you're going up against because yes you can get you'll be able to get doctor who on these platforms but doctor who is a global brand and for someone like the bbc their main competitors now are netflix are amazon that's yeah. that's their competitors now years gone by it didn't used to be it would be people like sky and people like itv that's no longer their main competitors because also you look at the online platform that the bbc has and the development they're doing on that side to improve that side of things and that is ongoing but you've got to go up against those the massive budgets now of netflix and they are massive you look at something like amazon and their series that they're doing for the lord of the rings which is like the biggest budget ever put into television this is what tv now is and if yeah. you're gonna have these big tentpole shows and franchises this is what they've got to you've got to put into them that you can't really get away now with the cheap effects because they get shown up so the the question then is so the production's getting better is it compelling 
like is it because I I didn't really find any of the I, I, again I watched like maybe half an episode or two of like the tenant stuff maybe the what was the the one before tenant what was his name Skinhead Christopher Eccleston yeah it's Christopher Eccleston my favorite doctor I'd say see I you see I watched an episode or two of it I, I, again bits and pieces here and there and I just thought I I don't I don't I don't like his acting so is 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 it is it oh, I didn't think it was well written is is it is it well written is it is it exciting is it everything a doctor who uh, is it everything that a good television series should be not a good because i think that's the key thing for me i don't really care if it's a good doctor who series i want to know if it's worth me not watching some mega budget thing on netflix or amazon or whatever it is is it worth me instead paying 150 pounds to go and to go and watch the new doctor who series it's a tricky one because and dan will probably attest to this that as i was saying before doctor who does reinvent itself and what that means is that every episode generally has a different genre broadly speaking it's still science fiction but you'll have one episode that is say a thriller or a horror or some weird kind of western say for example or a a mystery or a a period drama kind of things yeah they're they're all very different and they can they do each individual one very well i think at, at, at times sometimes there's missteps sometimes there are bad episodes but when they're good they can be excellent and really compelling I'm, I've spoken about this before in a previous part but my, one of my favourite episodes of television ever was in uh, one of the Peter Capaldi series called Heaven Sent where it's just him it's like a Beckett play it is utterly extraordinary I've watched that episode I think about 14 times it hmm. just compels me so much it, it was just pure theatre it was a masterclass it was extraordinary and there's a brilliant David Tennant episode called Blink which is about the weeping angels, which are these wonderful, again, Doctor Who being very resourceful with special effects. They're these stone angels that only move when you're not looking at them. So every time you see them, that's when they're still, and suddenly they'll just be there in front of you. So really great for low-budget special effects because you don't have to do any movement with them. But it's utterly terrifying. And that's when Doctor Who's really at its best, that it embraces its low budget. Because, as we talked about before, from that limitation comes real creativity. Mm. Whether this series will do that, I don't know. But from the first episodes, I I've, love it. Jodie Whittaker is fantastic. I, she's just got it. I, 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 after one episode, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role. I really love the companions as well. They're dynamic. Having three of them from completely different backgrounds, just really interesting. You've got um, Ryan, who is um, played by Tosin Cole, who is uh, a kind of a dyspraxic individual who is trying to make ends meet and he begins that episode trying to learn how to ride a bike but because of his dyspraxia he's been unable to do so you've got his step grandfather who who i believe is called graham played by bradley walsh who my nan loves because he's in the chase he hosts the, the game show the chase but he's really good and really compelling i love the dynamic between them and last but by no means least you've got mandip gill who plays Yasmin, who's um, a police officer who really wants to rise up in the ranks. And they all, by chance, encounter this woman who literally falls from the skies. And wearing the only, the only hint of the previous doctors is the fact that she's wearing the clothes that Peter Capaldi wore before he regenerated into her. So it literally picks up from where the last series finished, last Christmas. And you're straight onto this train, literally a literal train, and the episode just leaps along at a pace like a train. In terms of its plots for the episodes, quite formulaic, which I'm fine with. It's introducing a new Doctor. But it is, as Dan was saying, this is a very cinematic series. Just the cinematography of it, it's mise-en-scene. 
it feels like you could watch this in a cinema you can you can also see from you can see from the production values in terms of you can tell they're using different types of cameras just because of the, the 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 warmth of the shots and stuff like that you can just see it's different you can see there is more money in this because it just it you can try to think of the right word but you can almost just feel a bit more substance to it as opposed to before where you've got that a televisual sheen mm. like like when you when you go into um a clothes store and you feel the fabric of a 10 pound t-shirt and a 40 pound t-shirt yes and you're like and you're like oh i want to rub the 40 pounds all over my face and also just mm. we haven't actually even mentioned really jodie whittaker who is just an inherently likable screen presence that I, I just can't you can't help but be engaged by and I've, that, i mean that's for anything she's done but and that's a good thing in that first episode you don't even necessarily know what her character is because the way the character is introduced she's introduced in transition from the previous character so she admits that she's still figuring out who she is and that will develop as the episodes go on so she becomes over time her new doctor and you, that goes back to the other all the other series you would all the other doctors it takes them a few episodes before you see who their character is because they're all different obviously they're the same in terms of the the canon they're the same character so everything that happened to peter capaldi has happened to jodie whittaker in the past so it, it's it's a through line there but it's always interesting to just see what one actor can do slightly differently but always kind of maintaining that little hint of the doctor of what it is so with matt smith he was he was possibly one of the most alien of the doctors but he was there was great warmth and kind of childlike enthusiasm with him as well whereas peter capaldi was more of a wiser more stern kind of it's really interesting always to see the choices that they make so i'm really looking forward to seeing kind of jodie whittaker's portrayal because at its core, the Doctor, no matter their kind of personality traits, because they are a figure of peace, ultimately, yes, they fought in many kind of conflicts, but it's always about trying to get to peace as best they can. And what that means is that, and I love this as a description of somebody, when you describe somebody as having a disarming personality, <laughs> that you can walk into a room and they just literally disarm or cut through any tension there. And the Doctor always has to be able to do that. They, they are a disarming personality, literally and metaphorically speaking. And Whittaker's totally that. She is totally that. She is perfect for this role. And I cannot wait to see, as Dan says, when she fully crystallises into this role and makes it her own. For me, I, for me, it was I didn't really get along with Peter Capaldi's Doctor until his final, final series. And that's, for me, when it clicked for him and I was like okay now I get it now I'm on board now I'm really enjoying what where this story is going so we mm. can for another doctor it could take a couple of episodes so we just you need to just wait and see at some point it'll be the kind of the the combination of the story the characters and the performance of the doctor which suddenly clicks and then we go let's let's take this forward now Peter um, yes, I forgot Chris. to ask how was your birthday Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was all right. Um, I got cool. I minimised down. I asked, I, I sort of laid as many hints as I possibly could, and you all were brilliant. Uh, and I, I asked for. I didn't want lots of physical stuff, um, so I only ended up with like a, a couple of books, which were really nice. Um, like one board game, small-ish board game, which was really nice. Uh, and uh, and thank you very much for that. Uh, which was an expansion. Uh, which was the uh, Cities of Splendor, 
Very nice. And I, I just wanted small little things because I'm trying to declutter my life at the moment. So I got vouchers for like, you know, streaming services and, and, and other bits and pieces. And of course, Chris and Dan, in fact, it was from both of you, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, of course, you also purchased for me, uh, which was a lovely, very thoughtful gift, a blanket. What well, you yeah. are from Continuing cold. the long tradition. Yes. Of, of buying the things to keep you warm. Yes, yeah. which is a lovely tradition. I really do love it every single <coughs> time that it happens. And um, the 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 thing that you just, rather than going to I don't know something like a something like a a Kath Kidston or going to just Debenhams and getting a nice like just like a nice brown. But anyone can get those. Like anyone anyone could get those. So you thought to yourselves, didn't you? You thought, do you know what? Instead of doing that, what I'm going to do is get one of the pictures from our trip up up the most recent mountain that we went up, up Scaffold Pike. Get one of those pictures of me looking at the ground, all sad, printing it onto a blanket with the phrase, where there's a Willington, there's a way. Yeah. You, 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 you don't sound impressed, Pete. No, I, I'm massively impressed. Because, at- Daniel, when I messaged Pete and said, oh, did you have a nice birthday? He said, oh, thank you for the lovely gifts. I'm under one of them. I assumed it was the blanket. <laughs> Weirdly, it was the board game. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge board game. Um, no, it was, it was fantastic. And uh, so I, I wrapped myself up on my birthday, wrapped myself up in a lovely blanket with my own face on it. I opened it and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's very warm and very soft as well. It's like a, you know. Well, it ticks the boxes for a blanket, doesn't it? Warm, really? soft. And of a certain size. Uh, you, Chris, you'll be pleased to know. Yes, uh, Peter. That I watched the first episode of Voltron. Oh. I saw the. Was it on WhatsApp? You put that up there. I did. I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. You couldn't believe it, could you? Couldn't Adam and Eve. No. Um, uh, and just to confirm, it's good. Weirdly well written. Like much better I written know. than it needs to be. Like yeah. Anyway, but talking about big robots that oh, uh, yeah. fight different things. The fine folks uh, from Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro, uh, I think they've been hearing us uh, talk about Transformers. My Well, my skill of naming various trivia from the big broadcast of 1983 <laughs> or whatever it was called from Transformers uh, and our Voltron chat because they sent me a Transformers trading card game. Oh, uh, wow. Interesting. So I should be expecting my celebrity there. friends... Uh, yeah. A box at any day now. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's it. We should, basically what we should start doing is just like, oh, do you know? What, do you know? What I'm a really big fan of gold bars. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and see if we can get with. I the love mint. Rolex. Yeah. Uh, so we got sent a pre-release copy of. It's called. Its official name is Transformers Trading Card Game, uh, which is pretty, um, pretty catchy because uh, it says exactly what it uh, what it is basically. Obviously, Dan's eyes are about to glaze over because we are about to talk about a trading card game uh, <laughs> from from the people that bought you Magic the Gathering. But I've been thinking about Transformers a lot recently. A lot. Because of secrets from work and also uh, just because we've been uh, we've been talking about it and I've just kind of been thinking about uh, this sort of stuff a lot. And playing the card game I was really excited to like get it and play it and, and see what it was like. And I'm so conflicted on it. On, on, on what on what this game actually is. So let me lay this out. There is a two-player starter set bundle, and uh, it is fourteen pounds ninety-nine uh, recommended okay. recommended retail price. It is sold in that two-player starter set for fifteen quid, basically. And then the 
It's also sold in boosters. So this is a proper collectible card game. Like ran There's a random chance you will get a certain number of rares in a pack. There are various yeah. rarities to cards. All that stuff. All that good magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! All that sort of stuff. Thing. Uh, those boosters are £3.99. In those boosters, you get one Transformer card and seven Battle cards. So in a magic set, I think you get something like 10, something like that. Yeah. Um, so a few less, but that's okay. Um, and in the two-player start, you get four character cards and you get 40 of the battle cards and i want to talk about the starter set to, to begin with so in that starter set you get four character cards and i'm going to show, show you the difference so this is a battle card i'm showing it up to you and this is going to work really well on, on on podcast audio but this is basically to describe this it is a poker card sized card right you can see that it's a poker sized card on one face is just like the back of it uh, and then on the actual faces, it, it's the 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 actual totemic the playing piece part of it. As in, here is the inf this is the name of the card. Here is a color that dictates a thing that I'll tell you about in a second. Here is a description of what that thing is. Here is the rarity and all that sort of stuff. This is a poker-sized card. This this is a character card, and I'm holding them parallel. This is oh massive. My word. Yeah, this is massive. This is twice the size, basically, of a normal. A bit, in fact, it's slight, I think it's slightly bigger than a than a poker card. It it's is like a flash card. It is massive. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, a yeah. Exactly. It's it's a psychological test, which is, do you want to buy more of these? It's about um, the size of your 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 kind of your average Kindle, maybe a little bit, <laughs> um, maybe a little bit smaller than maybe, a Kindle. Maybe a little bit smaller, um, but yeah, it, it, it's big. Um, and not only is it big, it's it's look, it's got it's got that hologram on it. It's got that shininess to it. And not only is it shiny, uh, it's double sided. Uh, so oh, you wow. got on on one side, you got the vehicle. And on the other side, you got the robot, and I'm showing oh, you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's cool, right? So, um, so in the um in the start set, you get four of those, and you get forty cards for the these battle cards, battle cards. And I think if you buy the two player starter set for fifteen pounds, I think it's one of the worst f***ing ways to play this game at all. I think it is absolutely terrible. Like, if I if I just had that starter set and just played the game that comes in the starter set. I would tell you that it is probably one of the worst card games I've ever played. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And the reason I bring this up is, uh, the reason I say that is because um, I can read you, I wouldn't normally do this, I'll read you the rules. Because they come, for the starter set, they come on, I'll, I'll give you a very brief overlook, but the, the rules are on this card, this card, and they also go over to the other side as well. But that's pretty much it. And there's maybe a hundred words, and the game basically says split the four character cards between you doesn't really matter how put the the 40 battle cards in front of you never use any of the descriptions of any of the text just choose who you want to attack and then pick battle cards from the battle card set face down and if you get little orange icons in the top right hand corner you do attack and if you get little blue ones then your opponent gets more defense uh, and it's entirely random and that's it there's no descriptions you don't use anything you don't use any of the descriptions that are on the character cards or on the battle cards or you don't use any of the like literally anything in the game and that is what the two-player starter set is designed to play. It is dreadful. You should throw your fifteen pounds into the bin. It would be a more. It would be a, a bigger thrill. Truly, a dreadful purchase. I feel like there's a butt coming on. There is, Dan. <laughs> if you and a friend want to get into this game and you buy a starter set each, 
Yes, you have exactly the same cards as one another, so it's it's a, the, the complete set. Uh, the, I, I don't believe there's any randomness in the 40 battle cards that you get in the starter set. And the four characters are all the same. And they're also exclusive to the starter set, which is maybe why you might want to buy it later on down the line. You get your own deck of 40 cards, your own four characters that you can use, and you can you can fight you can fight opponents with the same characters. That's that's not a problem. And then if you look at the bottom of the rules card that you got in the battle in the starter set, it says the advanced rules and videos go to this website. So then you go to the website and you get the actual rules. So the way the actual game plays is generally uh, you start your turn by drawing a card. That that symbolizes that you've started the game, uh, that you've started your turn. Uh, you can do three actions, one of each kind of action. You can transform your character, which means that you flip from vehicle mode to robot mode or vice versa. Can I just ask one thing? When you, because I, 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 I hoped that would be the case. When you do that, are you required to make the robot transform noise? The noise. Dan, it's, it's not the rules, but certainly in my house, if you're going to play Transformers car, uh, trading card game, you've got to go. Uh, that's when the turn changes. So you, so you can so you can transform your card, and this is really really important because if you have, let's say, for example, the the description of what each character can do is different on each side. So their uh, their stats probably change. So they're probably harder hitting when they're actually in Autobot mode, for example. So Optimus Prime definitely is Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend. There are three Optimus Primes in the, the first wave of cards, which is quite interesting. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so he become he becomes uh, he attacks more, but he also changes his abilities. So like when you transform you basically have access to different abilities that they might have and this might be things like when he's transformed you can you can draw more attack cards and that's great because it means that it's more likely that you're actually going to um to do damage it might be that instead it when he when they're in vehicle mode uh, you actually draw more cards you don't just draw one you draw two at the start of your turn so how you how you transform your cards what what state they're in that has a real effect on the game so you, that's the first of your actions you can do you don't have to do it uh, you can play an upgrade card so these are part of the battle cards so in the battle cards you have actions and upgrades uh, primarily and the Upgrades are cards that you... They can be really simple, like you get a new weapon and the new weapon gives you plus two attack. And then that sticks on the card and that's there forever, unless the description says it, it, you have to scrap it at the end of this turn. Uh, but generally they stick around. It's not just thing, It's not just weapons, there's like armor and bits and pieces, and there's also abilities that, that, that will be given to those Transformers. Equally, there are things called actions, and actions are things that happen and then you get rid of the card. So uh, it might be, again, a really simple example would be you just do, do two damage to an opponent character of your choice. So again, deck building. You can immediately see how a deck of 40 cards, you could spec out that deck in a way that, well, I want Optimus Prime to be my heavy hitter and I want Autobot Hound to be more about uh, like buffing himself or I want this to be a damage sponge because... After you've played those, the way that you signify you're going to end your turn is you have to attack. So you can only attack character cards that have been tapped, which means that they've essentially just you tap the card at the end of your uh, end of your attack phase. So your opponent and will want to think, well, if I attack with this character first, this is the first character that will be attacked. 
by my opponent, right? So you can only attack tapped characters unless there are no tapped characters on the other side. So that means that I probably want to attack first with a really defensive character because that means I can just keep taking damage, right? Because each character has attack, defense, and health. And essentially you work out between attack, you have X amount of attack, it goes through X amount of damage, and then you draw cards from the battle cards thing which, which give you additional damage stats or defense stats depending on whether you're being attacked or whether, you're, uh, whether you are the one who is doing the attacking. So again, you can set out how you're going to put that stack of 40 battle cards together you can set out exactly which sets of characters you want to bring into the into the field with you and you can you start to see these really interesting strategies so for example uh one of the things that i did was one of my characters had the ability to draw a card when they attacked another character and one of the upgrades that i had was when you attack you also draw another card so i basically made my my character like a card drawing machine and i could then immediately attach it to that thing and then and then it was also part of that attack and so i managed to figure out this process whereby okay well if i tap if i use this character first then that means that they have to attack there and that means that i can draw this number of cards and that's going to give me the likelihood because i know my own deck i'm going to start pulling these cards out that means i'll probably draw these these sets of cards because i know i've got those in there so there is an element of randomness in there because you are drawing cards there is there is that face down element to it and to attacking you can attack with a really powerful character and just luck of the draw your opponent gets loads of defense cards and it's not very powerful likewise a very low end character can attack and be very very powerful because they get lots of plus attacks uh, but it's i feel it's like less randomness than um uh, let's say for example magic which has lots of variety of of, of areas where, where luck is involved and the the booster packs the cards are actually interesting like the cards that you get have descriptions on them that are really cool and interesting and i go through them and i'm like wow i, I okay i want to play the game with jazz next time because it'd be really cool to see how jazz works with the deck that i have equally the new battle cards that i'm i'm going to uh, that i'm opening are going to be able to augment my deck uh, as well and the art that's the other big thing the art is fantastic so for the character cards they've they seem to have gone and just made their own art they've they've gone and found one of their fantastic artists and they just have just incredible great looking poses so for example the optimus prime card which we're talking about uh the the image that's actually on uh, there for the optimus one of the optimus prime cards that's in the booster packs he looks like a total badass and it looks like an image that's taken uh, directly from the transformers movie like it's it's a pose that you actually see him in it was in used in all the promotional trailers and stuff like that the the original transformers animated movie that all that art looks great and the art that's on the the actual battle cards uh, i think and i don't know this for sure i think it's taken from the graphic novel and the comic books that uh, that get put out and those are great the art in those is absolutely fantastic and i really appreciate seeing this art that heralds back to that what i think of as like proper transformers like uh the, the original animated series and then that was then carried on in the in the comic books as a transformers fan i'm like yes give me more of these things because um, i want to collect all of them and i desperately wish there was somebody close by who would want to collect it with me so I could play it a whole bunch. Just um, on just on the point you just made, as you as you say, you are a, you're a big Transformers fan. Yep. Looking at the mechanics of the game and how that yep. all plays out, could this work? It's actually, two questions. Firstly, could this work with a different kind of skin, so to speak, on it? Is it the mechanics that are great, or? Is it actually using the Transformers license in an interesting way that, as a fan, you are finding rewarding by 
by by their use yeah. of the license. Yeah, I mean, mechanically, it is very thematic. Like the fact that you are these both the the cards are uh, that you flip them. Like that is that is really cool, and that plays into how you want to approach building out your deck, building out your character roster. The battle cards, uh, maybe slightly less so. Like you know, you're you're adding weapons, you're you're doing actions. The actions are much more thematic to Transformers, I would say, rather than like upgrades necessarily. But that is really cool. I think also where the series might be going, and obviously this is this is speculation now, but. There are, in the top right-hand corner of the character cards, there are keywords. So, for example, one of them is, like, leader. One of them is ranged. Uh, one of them is melee. Uh, and then on the on the back, it's like... And then on the vehicles, it's like truck, uh, you know, car, that sort of thing. And that's fine, um, because most of that is based on the action card. So, for example, one of the cards is like, play this card. If you play it to a truck, it gains X number of health. If you play it to a car, draw X number of cards, right? So that's that's quite thematic in and of itself. The cool thing is that one of these cards in here uh, that, I, that, I, that I got, where is it? One of the ones that I've got is, it has the, the, the um, trigger phrase, Dinobot. Now, if you like Transformers, you'll know that the Dinobots... Are, I think there's four or five of them, and they transform together like Voltron to create a larger robot, which is like this huge, massive, incredible looking, sort of slightly dumb, uh, goody robot who has a heart of gold and all that sort of stuff. And the, the, the Decepticons have got one as well. Like So, for example, like Destructor is just this huge wrecking. It, there's a load of wrecking, wrecking crew people, and they transform together and they create this huge, like, destruct, destruction tank. Now, I don't know, but I get the feeling that they are going to start figuring out ways of combining together these cards. Because at the moment, you play four characters in a roster, and obviously f you need five characters. But I get the feeling that there's going to be more interesting ways of synergizing between all of these things. Like, the idea that maybe if you have X number of Dinobots transformed in their Dinobot state, you can turn them into... Whatever it is, uh, you know. Well, we just build like a house of cars. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but like, I think it is very thematic. And whether or not they go down that route, uh, yes, mechanically, I do think so. I don't think you could just skin reskin this with something else and it be quite as effective. But I, I do think it is really nicely thematic in that way. I think the best way to play this is like, I think, I think there's there's two audiences that this is going to work really, really well for. I think if you're a parent and you like Transformers or your kid likes Transformers and she's like, oh, I really want to get, I really want to play a card game with you, uh, dad. You can say to her, well, listen, you like Transformers, don't you? I'll get you the starter set of those four cards with the 40, 40 things and I'll get myself uh, one of them as well and we'll play it together because it's a very straightforward game. But with two of them, with the advanced rules from the website, Absolutely fine. You'll, you'll, you'll have a very basic game uh, with not as many descriptions and stuff like that, but the action cards and the upgrade cards, they will actually give you something fun. And if they like it, then you... If, if they like it, great. Uh, and you can go into boosters and get more of those and, and augment it out. And it'd be a really fun collection to do. If they don't, you've spent 30 quid between two sets and you've not really, you're not really out of pocket. That's for them. If you're into Transformers or card games in general, just go boosters like just get six boosters i know it's gonna be more expensive but like the the starter set is just just dreadful like really not very good i think the only reason that you would want to get the starter set if you're a collector is there are four cards in it which you can't get anywhere else and 
that's maybe it. If you if you if you're a Transformers fan, this I think this is it's brilliant. I don't I don't think there's any question you should get into it. Uh, but how you get into it is the is the important thing. Yeah, God, it's been busy for me this week. Um, I've been busy relaxing. That's the that's the, that's the thing I've been doing most. Um, I have really tried to just not do anything. I'm trying to get through games. I'm trying to I'm trying to center. I'm trying to relax. Um, so to relax, uh, I decided to play an absolutely infuriatingly difficult platforming game that's currently in beta uh, called One Screen Platformer. It really looks infuriatingly difficult. Oh, it's infuriating and brilliant. Um, so I, I love platforming games. They are wonderful. And this is a tightly made uh, single screen platformer and I really do mean single screen platformer so the idea is uh, so it's got a sort of pixel art retro look to it uh, so it uses this pixel beautiful pixel art style and you can press a button on the keyboard and it shows you the entire level um, and there is only one level in the entire beta I get the feeling it's going to be one level in the entire game um, there are four characters and it changes the the things you need to do in the level but all of the platforms, all of the spikes, all of these sorts of things, these are all fairly consistent. Sometimes there'll be more spikes if you play on hard, or, or more projectiles if you play on hard, uh, but uh, or coins to get if you're playing as a different character, uh, whereas you don't have to get coins if you don't play as that character. Uh, but it is this single level, and this mastery of this space is what the game is about. As I say, I'm playing this on beta. It's from a, uh, from a developer called Return to Adventure Mountain, um, and I first heard about the dev when in a previous life as a games journalist when I when I did a preview for AppSpy of a game called Wizard Golf RPG, uh, which I believe is still on mobile at the moment. Uh, is still on mobile, and it's an excellent adaptation of a putting game, a, 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 a crazy golf game, extrapolated out to an RPG dungeon crawl. Really weird, really lovely art, brilliant. Loved it. Go and get it. I then was reintroduced to this chap because he runs this marketing... For de developers, he sends out these emails about marketing and he's very um, B2B, in involved in like the games industry and like talking about things, about how to market games and email marketing. He's a real like, advocate for all this sort of stuff and I'm, I'm interested in all that sort of stuff. Now, that, maybe that's not very interesting for this podcast, but he was talking about his game on, this, uh, on, this, on one of his marketing emails and I was like, I just sent him an email saying, like, can I play this? I like, I just want to check this out. And he's like, yeah, sure, here's the beta. So the beta is available. Anybody can enter into it. And I suggest you do because uh, it is a rock-solid single-screen platformer with a great core, that, this great core idea of it's this one level. And you can see everything. You press a button, you see the entire thing. You can see what your run is in context to the rest of the level. It is occasionally almost pixel-perfect platforming that you need to be doing. Certainly, timings-wise, you really need to know what you're, what you're about. If you've not played platformers before, this is not the one to start on. Uh, it, is, it is hardcore. Uh, to complete that one level, uh, the first time took me, I think, 12 minutes. It is intense. And then I then chose another character. And to complete the level, it took me longer because the thing I had to do was harder. It, it is really, really tough. It's on Steam. It's currently uh, uh, available for wishlisting. And uh, I think it, it is just the a perfect execution of a simple idea done very, very well. It's like he set out to make a game that kicks your ass 
with a beautiful art style and a and this solid single screen idea and nailed it just absolutely nailed it from from looking at some of the kind of the um the, the kind of the artwork some of the kind of levels that i can see it reminds me of um spelunky is that is does it have any kind of uh, similarities with that yeah i mean in so much as like it's a 2d platform uh, it's a 2d game with a lot of platforming there is also a kind of i guess there is kind of a rogue light ish element in that you figure out through dying repeatedly how you should approach the level but it's not in that same way that spelunky is in that like you can dig through areas you can explode things like you need to figure out how the the world changes each run it's nothing like that it's much more set in stone as to, to what you should be doing but yeah i mean it certainly has that like like focus of direction that spelunky has where it's like this is the experience i'm going to give you and this is the only experience i'm going to give you and it's really tuned beautifully so you're gonna have fun did you play spelunky then i played it a little bit yeah i played it a little bit and it just i think the the, the kind of the art i the art style just kind of reminded me of that with mm. obviously it's kind of the, the 2d platformer i'll tell you what this reminds me of i'm not sure if i've ever told you this oh, and you? there's no reason why you would also be reminded of this because it's uh, something that's very personal to me okay. um, when i was did i ever tell you about when i was young i designed games no no when no. i was very young mm. i loved playing video games and i would try and design my own game yeah and obviously this isn't kind of being on computer code or anything like that this is literally i'm a child i have an idea of a game in my head i draw pictures of the game and well done you're very lucky you've got a video games producer right here so yeah. pitch your game i'm gonna, I'm gonna pitch it i'm gonna pitch it okay yeah, um, go so at the time as i was very young um one of the toys i was into mm. were troll dolls love troll dolls love it so those are the kind of the those are some of the toys i was into so i had a, a good collection of those yeah not not kind of a dangerous collection, but just like a an, an adequate collection of troll dolls. Okay, yeah, um, good, yeah. And so my idea for a game involved a troll. That was the, the protagonist, okay? Yeah. The, the, the name of the game was called Temple Troll. Great name. Good, good, yeah, good name. So the reason that this, remi- this kind of one-screen platformer reminds me of that is what I would do is I would take a piece of paper actually no I wouldn't take a piece of paper I'd be on my computer on Microsoft Paint and this is kind of right back in there this is like Windows 95 era and earlier I'd be on Paintbrush and I would draw basically a one screen platformer level that the troll would have to traverse so looking at kind of an example of the level here the levels that I would do would involve spikes would involve swamps and yeah yeah fire and stuff that the troll would have to leap over and be hanging on bars and stuff like that to get across and this yeah. is what i do and looking at this mm. it was obviously a much smaller version of a level yeah but this is what i used to draw i used to draw this level <sighs> that's basically really nice. which yeah. is just a really so, interesting thing to see this yeah now. No, now that you say that like i remember kids in school would do that they'd have piece a four pieces of paper turn them to landscape and they would draw out like puzzle like basically levels for other people to complete like that you'd have to draw like like they you know we'd have to like get a pencil and like draw how you would complete the level mm. like it throughout this entire thing and you're right it reminds me of that it reminds me of that like that's so weird but yeah i used to just have loads of different levels yeah stored on my computer it's just image files of these <laughs> just levels that i drew because and when i was younger i wanted to be a games developer 
that was oh. that was literally what I wanted to be at that age, and I wanted because I and this was and this don't get me wrong, this idea stayed in my head for a long time. <laughs> okay, the idea of temple trolls stuck with me because I was convinced it was a great idea. His attack would be he would swing his hair to knock yep. people down. That was an, oh, just an objectively good idea for a, is, for an attack. Yeah, that's great. So, so Pete, if you want to take it, yeah, I, I'm I'm available for discussions. Yeah, okay, right. yeah, I've got a million dollars and a million questions. Copyright with the owners with the owners of troll dolls. Oh, uh, we can just change we can just change the name of them so we, so it will be like I don't know like we'll figure something out, figure out a way that it doesn't quite meet the copyright. It's fine. Yeah, the the DreamWorks animation don't come knocking. Nah, it's fine. Uh, It'll be fine. We've had another question. This is. Oh, cool, cool. Have, have they have they emailed in? No, they've not emailed in. Uh, they have. Okay. Sorry, can can they not email in? No. I know what you're doing. Sorry, I know what you're doing. I wasn't I wasn't here last episode, you see, so I forget how this whole question thing works. Oh. And I know Sam often checks, so I just want to make sure that All I'm right. okay. okay. How, do, how, do, how does someone send in an email? So if they, if they can't email, then what? If they have, I don't know what's going on, Pete. Well, You've got to you explain can, it to me. Okay, so you can email. Uh, if so, they could email, which is stayinginpod at gmail.com If they wanted to email, if they didn't want to email, if they want to use Twitter or Facebook, they can go to at stayinginpod on both of those things. I think you can just at Facebook now, which is really weird. You can do it with both of those. DM us, at us, any of these things. So our, uh, are our DMs open and all that all that jazz? I don't know how all that all works. All of that stuff is open and all good. And if you have a question, do please get it in because A, we're running out. And B, uh, <laughs> I would like to keep this thing going because we've had this like for seven or eight episodes now where we've actually managed to do this. It's quite so, fun. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. It is actually really fun. So this is from at fatboy underscore Rob uh, on Twitter. Hello. Uh, I'm going to... I was about to say, hello, fat boy, but I think, I think I'm just going to say, hello, Rob. And Rob says, oh, asks, what's the greatest film ever made? P.S. There are wrong answers. Hmm. Well, I think to give the, uh, to give Chris and Dan some time to actually think about that, because to them it will be important. Uh, I'll, because I have no real uh, idea about films whatsoever, the greatest film ever made is 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick simply because I like the novel and I thought the film was a really good version of it. That's not a very fun or silly answer or like, or like oh, how? Oh, how? Oh, he's really pulled that one out of left field. Like, he really knows his cinema. It's just, I like it. And here's, I'm going to tell you why I like it. <laughs> I don't talk about films very often, but I'm going to tell you why I like it. Because it's loud, it is bright and colourful, and it is thrilling science fiction that you feel like oh maybe this could be real one day and those three things loud bright colorful science fiction four things <laughs> don't like films and i don't and i don't Counting like is not your strong suit. <laughs> uh, those those four things i really really do crystallize i think it's absolutely fantastic film i've watched it four times i've watched it four times and that is the most i've ever watched any movie so so there we are that is the that is the greatest film ever made for me obviously so uh, where are we at with you, Dan? I know you're a big fan of see, films. See, the, the film I usually refer to as the greatest film I've made, I say, I say it's the greatest film I've made kind of tongue-in-cheek because I know it's not. However, it is my favourite film of all time and I will not hear well, a bad word said against it. That is not the question. The, film, the question is, what's the greatest film ever made? Your favourite okay. film. We, we can answer that if somebody sends that in with greatest. Okay, greatest. Uh, I don't feel that I am able to 
say a film is the greatest ever made if I have not seen it. Okay. That's because fine. I can't because I can't then make a judgment. So I'm going to say Absolute. the greatest film I have seen. Yep. In its entirety, and fine. so all, all aspects and all that stuff. Fatboy and Robin, I will will allow it. Go on. It's it's a relatively recent film. It's the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I thought about that, Dan. Yeah, I was just looking that on my DVD collection. You got one of these cool answers. <laughs> the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford um, is a phenomenal film starring Casey Affleck and Brad Pitt. Um, it's. Have we, have we talked about it on the podcast before? We may have. Uh, I don't think we would have talked in great detail because we, we, we wouldn't have been talking about it on the podcast when the film came out. But kind of across the board in terms of um, cinematography, the, the kind of the script, the storytelling, the performances are incredible. I know Casey Affleck often gets a great, um, well-deserved amount of praise for it. For me, Brad Pitt is stunning in this film and he's one of the most terrifying characters I've ever seen without really doing anything. And there are several moments in that film where I get goosebumps. And there is a particular moment which is enhanced if you know the story of Jesse James. But I, but I won't give it away because I don't want to give away the moment. But there is a moment where kind of I almost got a cold chill over me because I knew something was going to happen. That's cool. Um, and it's just beautiful. But it's, it's also, I mean, it's a long, it's about it's probably close to three hours. And it's an incredibly slow film as well it's it's just it there's no kind of high, big crescendos and kind of highs and lows it's it kind of goes along at a, a at an average pace and you just kind of absorb it mm. and it's i just it's not the kind of film you watch a lot because it's it's not a popcorn film not i'm saying i'm not saying that um 2001 is, is a popcorn film but you need to be in the right frame of mind to watch that kind of film because it's very slow when i went to go see it at the cinema with an original print there were some people in that cinema who were very there to like they were like this is Stanley Kubrick and he's one of the greatest films of all time and I was sat there with a massive box of popcorn <laughs> <laughs> throwing it up in the air and catching yeah, it in your mouth. yeah I was just like sat there like nom 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 colours did you, did you grift it yeah well I wish I could I wish I, they don't have a grift a griftable system at uh, the watershed in Bristol but yeah I was just sat there like nom 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 so slipping on a sipping on a like massive vat of coke just like just people hated me it was great loved it so uh chris you've been rummaging through your dvd collection oh it's a tricky one because if we're talking classics and we are i saw casablanca a few months ago and that's one of those instances where you watch a classic film everyone says it's a classic and you watch it go yeah that that's a classic it's not it, it lives up to the hype i think I mean, gosh, there's The Matrix. That's one of my favorite. No, nope, you got, you got to land stuff. on one. You got to land on one. I'm going to go with, and I'm a, it's a bit of a sweet thing for me because, like, the director and one of the lead stars in it has courted controversy quite significantly. So it's, it leaves a bit of taste in my mouth, which is a real shame mm. because it is a phenomenal I, film. I think I know what you're going to say. And that's the usual suspects. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's. Um, and, and the the thing that would make me keep going back to it, one of the reasons why I've not traded it in because of the aforementioned controversies pertaining to some of the people involved with it, is Christopher McQuarrie, who Sam and I waxed lyrical about, who directed the latest Mission Impossible film. He wrote The Usual Suspects, and it is extraordinary. One of the, It's one of the very few films that, when every time I rewatch it, I see something new okay. that is just so cleverly woven into it. It's, uh, it's a crime drama 
um, with one of the most talked about endings in film history that is meticulously constructed. So when the big reveal or several reveals happen, everything just locks into place beautifully. It's that wonderful marriage of cinematography and the audience's realisation as the camera pans in. Um, the audience themselves are internally panning in and realising at the same time. And it was all there before you the whole time and you never noticed. Brilliant. And it, it's just, it just, it gives me chills every time I get to the ending of it. Even though I know what's coming, it still has this extraordinary effect on me. That was Staying In with Dan Frost, Peter Willington and myself, Chris Darby. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to leave us a review too, we'd be really chuffed to bits. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to all the things we've covered in this episode. And come find us on Facebook or on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.